Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Welcome to tonight's program. I think you're going to find it very interesting. Our, uh, our first guest, we're going to talk about coffee. Uh, every office has a coffee machine or a tea machine. And uh, Adam Belichick uh, and his brother uh, run a very interesting company. Adam, welcome to the show. Hi, Don. Thanks for having me on. No, uh, I... I love coffee myself. Uh, I drink too much of it, I think, but uh, I think that many people uh, do. Um, uh, someone once said that uh, coffee drives American business. But before we go on and talk about it, uh, Adam, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get to this point? Okay, sure. Uh, well, I went to Dartmouth College where I got a degree in fine arts, which is completely unrelated. Uh, however, I moved back to New York when I realized I wanted to do something a little more physical, a little more immediate with my life. I started the Joyride Truck, which was a food truck with my older brother, David. And the idea originally was just to reinvigorate the idea of Mr. Softy, to do something fresher and healthier. There, we added coffee to the menu because we realized that you need something for the winter, you need something for the mornings just to cover your overhead. However, it was really serendipitous that we started working with a company called Stumptown, who was just new to New York at that time. And through this amazing coffee sourcing and roasting company, we managed to be exposed to sort of the newest wave, the third wave of coffee. We're talking coffees from single farms, of, from single varietals of coffee plants. And through that exposure, we, real, we realized that it was just a vastly different product from, you know, your Starbucks or your Folgers. And we just we saw a huge market for it in New York. People were coming down 30, 40 stories from an office building to get a cup of coffee from us. And they were passing, you know, 10, 15 opportunities to get coffee just to get what we were selling. And that's really where we realized the market was. Well, what, what makes your coffee so unique? Honestly, it, it's a number of traits. Uh, so the way I like to explain it is that after you take the coffee cherry and coffee comes in, two seeds inside of a fruit. After you take that fruit off the tree, you can only really mess it up. You, there's nothing you can do to make it better. And there's numerous steps in between, you know, a plantation in Colombia, for example, and my cup here in New York. And what really makes our coffee different is that every one of those steps is properly treated. So w to properly pick coffee, for example, 
coffee does not ripen evenly. If you were to look at a coffee tree, it's going to have some ripe cherries and some unripe cherries. And just like if you picked an unripe piece of fruit, it's not going to have the same sweetness. The same is true of coffee. So it starts just, just at the picking you're talking about, the difference between a good cup of coffee and a bad cup of coffee. Then if there's the processing. How do you get the outside of that fruit off of the, the beans, the seeds that we know as the coffee bean? Different processes there can really make a difference. If you do something called a natural process, which is common in uh, Eastern Africa, you end up with coffees that are very sweet because you allow the fruit to ripen onto the seeds themselves. At any point, at any point in here, you can really ruin the product through poor storage or simply exposure to sunlight or just very long periods of time. Once the coffee gets to New York, it gets roasted. And at this point, there's something that a lot of people don't realize is that coffee is something that's very freshness-driven. You can't have a coffee from two years ago that's going to be just as good as some beans that were roasted two days ago. And a big part of our business model is to do all of our roasting for all of our customers to order. That means that we actually get all the orders from our customers prior to having any of the coffee made, and it's all made specifically for them. Between good sourcing, good processing, proper farming techniques, and then here in New York, proper roasting, fresh delivery, and the use of good equipment, we've managed to offer a product that's significantly better than anything our competitors can bring to the table. Well, how do you go about con convincing uh, people to take your coffee, which I assume is a little bit more expensive than if they went down to uh, 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 Staples and bought uh, big cans of it? Well, you know, we're talking about a different product. We're never going to be a commodity coffee. Our coffees are bought from individual farmers through a process called direct trade. So we're not really trying to compete on that front. That being said, we are definitely an affordable luxury. I mean, you can have some of the best coffees in America for something like 40 cents a cup by the time you get it to an office, you know, maybe 45 cents a cup. The the real difference is in the quality. A lot of our customers already know about our roasters, and I mentioned Stumptown earlier. We also work with companies like Counterculture, Intelligentsia, Blue Bottle, and Toby's Estate, which if anyone out there is a coffee drinker, they're going to recognize these names. These are people who are well-respected in the coffee community for doing extremely good work. And a lot of our business is driven through the fact that they actually trust us enough to treat their product correctly. And that, I mean, that's part of it. The other part of it is that we do have people who are going out and actively doing sales. And even for people who haven't heard of our coffee, we come into offices and we'll do a, uh, a tasting where we actually make it fresh for you right there and we talk about what it is that makes this coffee different. And at that point, one of the, my, the favorite things I have always hear at these tastings is, you know, oh, this doesn't need milk. I mean, to me, it's a little funny because coffee should never need milk. If coffee needs milk, it means you're masking, a, you're masking a flaw in the bean. Coffee should be good on its own. That being said, if you prefer it with milk, that's a matter of taste. But it's, it, it's through, honestly, it's through the beans themselves. A the higher quality product speaks for itself, and people can honestly tell the difference. I, I love talking to entrepreneurs that that are so passionate about what they're doing, and you you are evidently one. Uh, I gather you're a coffee drinker. <laughs> Very much so. Okay. Now, having said that, we we know about the um, Starbucks and the baristas who pay two, three, four dollars for a cup of coffee. If I'm hearing you right, 
you're saying I'm coming in at 45 or 55 cents a cup and uh, uh, providing a, a, almost a hand-picked coffee uh, that's uh, been uh, guarded in its journey from tree to uh, pot. Uh, and I gather you don't don't put it in pods. No, that's correct. Uh, pods have been sort of a mixed blessing for us. Uh, on one end, they've really raised what people consider an acceptable price for a cup of coffee when you're talking about an office setting. Obviously, when you talk about a cafe, you're talking about a different mob business model. They make the ingredients of an espresso, which may cost you $2, is going to be something like 20 or $0.30. Cents. The reason we're able to offer our beans as cheaply as we are is because we're doing bulk orders for an entire office and we're using efficient brew methods. But well, to kind of... Go ahead. No, keep going. Uh, sorry, I just, I just, but I wanted to kind of step back and talk about those pods again. Uh, pods really raised what people consider an acceptable price for a cup of coffee because they changed the conversation. Most of us in our daily lives, when we buy coffee, we buy either a can that's a pound or we buy a bag that's 12 ounces or a pound. When we can change the conversation to a K-cup or in any pod system, we're talking about per cup. And a single pound of coffee should make 36 to 37 cups of coffee. So when you think about it in terms of like a, a in terms of a larger number, it, the, the math is simply there. So in some ways, these these pods have been a blessing because people are willing to pay more. Now the downside is they they're very easy, they're very clean, they're very neat, and there's something to be said for that. But I think we've managed to not replicate, but create an alternative to that simplicity by using industrial and cafe quality equipment, we're talking about things that make between 12 and 16 cups of coffee with the push of a button. And these higher-end machines allow us to get some of the ease of the K-cups while simultaneously treating the beans in the way that they need to be treated to really get their all out of them. Well, do you also provide the machine or, or, or um, for the office as well? Yes, that, that's correct. We provide equipment. Typically, we do equipment leasing. Uh, the reason that we started doing leasing as opposed to simply comping equipment is it allowed us to use a higher caliber of machine, which meant it was much more reliable. We had fewer complaints from our customers. It also just makes straight up better coffee. And paired with this, leasing it comes with it comes with 24-hour turnarounds on the service. So if you have a problem with your machine, usually someone's there the same day, but if not, they're there the next day. This also we also paired this with something just that we learned by experience. So our brewers brew into something called an AirPod, which is a, a thermal carafe that keeps the coffee hot for hours. And we found that simply put in an office setting, these weren't getting clean. And we found it impacting the quality of the coffee people were drinking. So we actually ended up rolling into the leasing that we would swap these AirPods with you once a month. We'd take them back to our warehouse where they'd get very deeply cleaned and they'd be good to go out again. And this was just something that we learned along the way because we realized that our beans weren't being shown at their best because people weren't doing that last step. So you're, you're very much then a local operation right at the moment because if you're doing all of this uh, uh, careful customer service and cleaning, uh, you're located in Long Island, right? Uh, we're actually lo located in Woodside in Queens. That's where our warehouse is. However, I'd say 90% of our customers are located in Manhattan. In Manhattan? Oh, yeah. Oh. So 
But now, let's talk. Do you offer a decaffeinated coffee as well? Yes, we do offer decaffeinated coffee. And I remember when I was starting out with the food truck, I always used to kind of pinch my nose at decaf. However, it's been, what, maybe six or seven years now, and I actually have come to really enjoy a cup of decaf, especially after dinner. I think it just helps with digestion. It's a nice warm beverage, especially considering how bad this winter has been. What what was the uh, probably the biggest obstacle you had to overcome in launching this this part of the business? Oh, it's hard to say what that would be. I think the biggest struggle we've had, and one that we admit that we're still struggling with, is just the logistics of delivering to customers. I mean, we we've grown simply because of the quality of our product and word of mouth. We've grown extremely quickly. And it's been a challenge for us to make sure that we're doing the kind of customer service that we would expect if we were the customer. Um, I think we have it. I think we have it pretty down pat. But I'm just as I'm obsessive about my coffee beans. I'm also obsessive about making sure that my customers are really happy and that they deserve it. They're getting, they're getting what they're paying for. You know, if you're buying a premium product that can't come with shoddy service, it has to come with a level of service that you would expect in the same shoe. Well. So you're selling that you're saying that the the real sell point is when you do a tasting, people see the difference, and and they make the uh, jump to uh, paying more for for it because it helps. Uh, uh, the PR piece that you sent sent me that your firm said that it actually helps keep uh, employees, which I thought was a, a, a clever ploy. Well, is, is, is coffee that important to workers? Well, I'm going to back up a second. And you said that most of our people are paying more. That's actually not true. The majority of our customers for Tret we convert to our service are coming over from a Keurig system, from a K-Cup system. So for most of them, they end up actually having a lower number on their monthly bill. Uh, in terms of the, the employee satisfaction, right, it's, it's easy to just brush off a single good cup of coffee. But over the course of a year, you know, every time you're having a bad morning and you come into work and you're having one of the best cups of coffee of your life and you're sitting down at your desk and you're just kind of breathing it in and sort of stealing yourself for the day ahead, I think it's, it's really easy to underplay sort of how important that is on determining the trajectory of the rest of your day. I mean, it's that moment of kind of reflection and preparation and making that moment something that you really eagerly look forward to. You know, nobody would ever say that they used to look forward to office coffee. And I think that's something that we've really been able to add. It's, it's, this, it's the summation of many days that are better that I think really makes the difference. Well, well you're right about that. No one ever really looks forward to co- uh, office coffee. And if you're doing that, <laughs> uh, that's very true. Uh, I, I get my coffee from um, uh, the French market in uh, New Orleans, because I like chicory in it. Uh, the, oh, of course. Uh, the we have New Orleans-style coffee here in New York, too, I have to tell you. You, uh, you, you offer that? Uh, we, one of our roasters, Blue Bottle, actually has that as one of their most popular coffees is a New Orleans-style cold brew that they mostly sell throughout the summer. Hmm. Well, um, I'll have to talk to them. Let me ask you this. Do you have, like, the flavors... Uh, I don't know. Uh, do, you, do you flavor your coffee? We do not flavor our coffee in the sense of adding essential oils from other things. So you'll never find a joyride coffee that's hazelnut flavored. 
That being said, by differentiating the coffees from their different farms, you actually notice elements of terroir. You notice kind of traits that are normal to those coffees that you wouldn't expect. And by differentiating them out, you actually do get specific tasting notes that can sort of mimic flavors. For example, excuse me, natural process Ethiopians have a tendency to have a lot of very berry notes. Like sometimes you'll smell some of these coffees and they'll just smell like unbelievably like a basket of blueberries. And there's no flavoring in there at all. That's just what the coffee itself is like. The name of your company, because we have to go, I see the next guest is here. The name of your company and how they can reach you? We are Joyride Coffee Distributors. You can find us on Twitter at, at Joyride Coffee, or you can visit our email, or sorry, our website at www.joyridecoffee.com. Well, um, Adam, I really, uh, I learned a lot about coffee today. I hope our listeners did. More importantly, uh, how someone gets passionate about it and, and uh, creates a small business. And well, hopefully- thank you very much for having me on, Don. Well, uh, come back again in, in a while, and we'll talk about uh, what your next steps are. Thank you. <laughs> I'd be happy to. Have a good evening. We we should have as our next guest someone that uh, I, I'm uh, particularly happy, but Jason Kennedy should be on the line. Jason, are you yes. with us? I am. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Jason, ha- happy to be here. Thanks, Dave. You're Director of Business Marketing and Product Management at Intel. And, you, and we're going to talk about a subject that I, um, I know people have spent a lot of time talking about for the last year, but um, uh, the fact that Microsoft is going to uh, end its support for XP uh, on April 8th. And uh, uh, I, got, I, I found out about this quite by accident, and uh, uh, we, we've uh, done a major story on it on our website, smallbusinessdigest.net, and it's become the most read story this month. And uh, the reaction we get from people is, we didn't know what was happening. So, uh, but before we start, Jason, we always ask our guests to say a little bit about their background. Can you- Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, Don, I'd, I'd be happy to. So, uh, Jason Kennedy, so I run our uh, marketing and, and platform management uh, team uh, at Intel for business clients. Uh, so uh, we have a, a portfolio of products, and our uh, marquee uh, processor platform is the, the Core vPro uh, processor platform, uh, and that provides the uh, enhancements to both security and manageability, uh, as well as looks at new capabilities to enhance the, the, the personal productivity. Uh, so I've had a number of roles uh, at Intel. Actually started on the manufacturing side and uh, had various uh, roles in terms of our, our uh, processor product lines and, and portfolios. Uh, but what I've been re- very excited about even this year, uh, a lot of my focus has been on the larger uh, businesses. Uh, but my scope uh, this year has expanded to uh, have businesses of all sizes and uh, the recognition that by far the uh, most uh, non-consumer customers are from uh, smaller businesses uh, and the growth rate is on there. Uh, 
uh, and our opportunity to really affect and uh, improve uh, both the functionality and, and helping businesses be, be more efficient uh, is, is a great goal, uh, as well as make uh, users more productive and uh, when they have to do computing, uh, make that as effective as possible. Uh, and then as well, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those concerns, you know, with uh, Microsoft's decision to finally, after now 13 years uh, of having Windows XP, you know, there has been quite a bit of evolution and the threats by, uh, unfortunately, people that want to do harm uh, to uh, businesses and, and likely the most uh, difficult to respond uh, to uh, threats and attacks would be small businesses. Yeah, so I, I actually feel like in some ways I have a, a moral obligation uh, to uh, help spread that word. And, and as you were mentioning, Don, you know, you didn't understand, or you, you, you yourself didn't have as much awareness of uh, this, this uh, uh, you know, licensing and support change. Uh, and our data that we've had validated by, by third parties is you know, close to 50% or, or 47% of, of relatively informed small businesses still weren't, weren't aware that Microsoft plans to end their support of Windows XP uh, in April of this year, so, you know, five or six weeks from now. Um, and, you know, well over a third of small businesses are still using that operating system today. So, you know, the, the time is running out, uh, and we also have uh, quite a bit of uh, data that suggests that bad people, you know, are so, somewhat waiting in it, uh are lying in wait for uh, that end of support to happen, uh, and you know try to you know do bad things uh, to, to businesses. So whatever you know, I can do uh, to to help you know educate people and, and make sure that they're able to make informed decisions. Um, you know help you know of course help uh, you know Intel and our uh, ecosystem partners. But you know I, I do feel that it, it it is somewhat of a a public service because you know when uh, of course, in America here, where, where I am, is, but uh, you know, it affects worldwide. The, the, the more that we can, again, have, have people just to continue to build their business and, and focus on, on that and, and you know, creating new jobs, you know, it, it, there, there, there's some uh, powerful uh, uh, effects there as well. Well, um, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I had you on this program. I found that in, in doing the story, uh, you were probably one of the more... Um, forthcoming people um, uh, in talking about it. Uh, I'm also told that uh, uh, Microsoft says that they, that they intend to at least partially support um, uh, the work against the, these uh, scammers, uh, at least for another year. But it, it, in your opinion, it really behooves a small business uh, person to, to really make the jump to something else. And I Right on that. Absolutely, Don. And, and unfortunately, this is an area that um, was a bit uh, of disappointing news. You know, in, in, in some ways, you know, they are providing what's called uh, additional antivirus signatures. So uh, there's certain uh, malware or, or virus types of uh, attacks that they are in, in some of their uh, antivirus products, as well as others, you know, from... Uh, McAfee and Symantec, uh, other um, software solutions uh, are, are trying to address some of those. Uh, but unfortunately, there's, there's a very 
strict limitations to what they can do uh, from, uh, again, an antivirus signature protection uh, perspective. And my concern uh, is that uh, some people will still continue to be uh, unaware of, of, of any types of things and not necessarily have e even some of those updates uh, but other people may see that as a, a bit of a false sense of security because at an operating system architecture level, you know, there's, as you can imagine, uh, a lot of enhancements and updates from an overall, some call it a surface area uh, of attacks that uh, has just been able to be evolved over 13 years. So there's only so much they can do on one level of attack at the antivirus level uh, but there's many other vulnerabilities in the operating system uh, that can't be addressed. Uh, and again, I would expect that uh, if your intent was to do bad things, uh, you would uh, try to look at both sides of that uh, or the multi-sides of that equation and, and see where are those points of entry, either just uh, disrupt uh, businesses and, and including small businesses or uh, quite often now these, you know, dangerous uh, folks and organizations are actually trying to uh, do their damage more in a stealth mode. So uh, many businesses may not even be aware that uh, uh, either information or customer records or credit card information and uh, all of those types of important computing data uh, is leaking out uh, for weeks and days, weeks and months uh, uh, going somewhat undetected because, again, of these vulnerabilities. Well, there's another side to this as well. Many, com many small businesses have machines that are more than three years old. My own machine is eight years old. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Yikes. And, uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Dan, go ahead. I love it. What can I, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's an Intel machine, I mean, uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, when we first... Yeah, so right. Uh, and, and in addition to some of these vulnerabilities, and, and there's a bit of an opportunity with, again, that uh, more than a third of uh, small businesses are still using Windows XP, so uh, this is an opportunity for us to have this conversation that we're having here. Uh, uh, you know, would be thrilled to, you know, get some feedback from, from your other... Uh, radio audience here, as well as your, your print and online uh, audience to get, get some more feedback. But um, for any of, of the types of uh, repair uh, issues that are uh, happening on these older systems, they just happen at a much greater rate after four years. Uh, and uh, again, from this third-party uh, research firm called TechIsle that we've uh, 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 done some uh, investigation with, you know, their uh, data suggests that over 42 hours uh, of lost productivity happened per PC, uh, which is, again, more, more than the, a standard work week uh, for having the, these older systems, uh, it, incremental uh, to, uh, to things that are, are less than, than that. So literally a, a week of trying to spend uh, and get some of these systems up and running. Uh, and then if you do some you know, quick, uh, quick math about you know, you know, 20 uh, Twenty dollars an hour or so, uh, you know that can be twenty-five hundred dollars again of uh, lost, uh, you know, productivity ba based on these systems, as well as the fixes themselves. Just on a pure repair perspective, uh, cost uh, somewhere north of four hundred dollars, 
to repair uh, those systems, uh, which oftentimes uh, is close even to a, uh, a new PC. Uh, and then in terms of just the productivity gains, uh, as, you, as you know, uh, with Intel, you know, we expect to use what's called Moore's Law and, and continue to uh, make uh, productivity and performance enhancements, you know, both on a pure uh, processing power perspective and then as more small businesses are looking at uh, mobile uh, types of computing, so we're additionally looking at uh, extending that battery life so you're having more opportunity to lose the wires and, and be able to, to carry around those systems uh, with them. Uh, so uh, twice uh, as fast as these four systems, so you're able to be more productive, more efficient, get more things done, uh, as well as you know approach you know a full hour without a, a charge on some of these laptop systems. Uh, another piece that uh, I think would be interesting to your uh, audience is sort of the evolution of, of what systems have, have been through. So both from a, a laptop perspective, you know, all of these systems are becoming much more thin and light. Uh, and we've also seen quite a bit of uh, demand from small businesses for new hybrid types of devices or so-called two-in-one types of devices. Uh, and our intent, and we have uh, proliferation across all of the major uh, OEM uh, providers, the Dell, HP, Lenovo, uh, Fujitsu, Toshiba, have business class, so very robust, so designed for businesses, you know, because again, we want these systems to be reliable, have high quality, uh, and now they're able to have some of the best attributes of a tablet uh, with the best attributes of a laptop. So as much productivity as you would expect from a laptop, but some of that flexibility either from uh, various convertible mechanisms so they can flip around or twist with that same device. Uh, some even actually have the screen detached, and it is very much you know, like a slate tablet, but again, all in one device. And the benefit just, of having that, have that flexibility. Go ahead, Don. No, I don't mean to interrupt you, but our next guest is waiting. But don't okay. you have a site? Doesn't Intel have a site? Go to Modern. Is it you that has a site to help? Yes. So there's there's two. So there's uh, from Microsoft's perspective, you know, they have some content uh, that would be very helpful, especially when you're focused on uh, 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 the benefits from moving off of Windows XP and moving on to a quote modern operating system. Uh, there's some advantages of the new Windows 8 and 8.1 systems, but uh, in uh, Microsoft's mind, and, and Intel would agree, uh, Windows 7 is clearly an uh, effective modern operating system as well. So depending on uh, small businesses' needs, that, that would make sense. And then from Intel's perspective, uh, I would highly encourage uh, your audience to look at uh, intel.com slash smallbusiness, uh, and that uh, would prompt uh, all kinds of material. It will have some of these data points on uh, why uh, it, it may be penny-wise and pound-foolish to, to try to have, in, in your case here, I guess, uh, an eight-year-old PC, but in anything more than a four-year-old PC. There's great total cost of ownership benefits uh, of there, as well as uh, quite a bit of other case studies and, and value that I think uh, uh, might be eye-opening for uh, your audience. Jason, thank you. Um, I'm going to invite you back uh, uh, in April. We're going to talk further about this. But we have to move on to our next guest. And I, I want to thank you again. And uh, 
uh, if they want, if people want to um, reach you, how can they do it? Uh, if they, I'll, I'll give out my uh, my direct uh, email address. Uh, it's a uh, Jason dot Kennedy at intelintel dot com. So if they, I'll I'll take the feedback, you know, personally. Well, thanks again, and and really come again. We're going to talk about this uh, definitely next month. Looking forward to it, Don. Thank you. Thank you. Our next guest is Lisa Lisa Nichols. She is CEO and co-founder of Technology Partners, Inc., uh, a woman business enterprise IT staffing and solutions firm that services clients nationwide. Lisa, are you with us? I am, Don. Thank you so much for having me. Well, um, you're, you're following a, one of my, my most favorite people. Jason um, uh, uh, has been a, a real uh, brick. You you are aware that Microsoft is uh, um, reducing its uh, support for XP. That's what we were talking about. Um, but uh, before we even go further, we always ask our guests to tell a little bit about themselves on the personal side, how they came to run a, a company as big as yours, but a little bit of your personal side. Sure, absolutely. I'm glad to glad to share some of that. Uh, well, we are celebrating our 20th year in business uh, this coming May, uh, May 4th, 1994. My husband and I, Greg Nichols, co-founded Technology Partners. We both started our careers at McDonnell Douglas, uh, which of course now has been bought by Boeing. Um, but uh, 20 years ago, we decided uh, to to start a um, technology staffing and solutions firm and my husband actually was a consultant himself so we really had um, a passion for creating a really fair and transparent way of doing consulting for both the client side as well as the contracting side um, and so because of his experiences and my experiences with uh, I was a corporate accountant for McDonnell Douglas and then left there after about five and a half years and went into corporate sales for another Fortune 500 company. So we decided that we would uh, combine our individual strengths and, and form this company. And, and the whole objective was really to build something that the best and the brightest would want to work for. Good. And again, that was 20 years ago. Wow. But because, Jason, are you still on? Well, I, I see by the thing that it looks as if he's on. But if, if not... Uh, let's continue. I would have invited him to join the conversation. But let's right. talk about, um, uh, I'm looking at my, uh, uh, my board and my eight-year-old computer, and it says that Jason's still with us, but, uh, uh, problem, but apparently not. But, but now, uh, <laughs> it, it says here uh, you provide, have a developed a non-traditional business model which utilizes low fixed markup over, over the direct labor costs to create um, cost savings for clients while, while at the same time providing more money to, uh, to your consultants. Can we talk about that? Absolutely, yes. It was a, a very innovative way of, of running a staffing firm and, and 
20 years later, fast forward, it still is. And even as we currently, we're headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, but we are staffing in 32 different metros across the United States. And so we are seeing even in other metropolitan areas that this is a very unique way of uh, running a staffing firm. And so, you know, we've used a lot of technology to drive our processes and we're always, uh, you know, you, we're looking for continuous improvement always uh, to do things more efficiently uh, so that we really can keep our overhead under control and so the people that work for us really are getting the lion's share of what's being billed to the client. But I think the really unique thing about this, Don, is that we are transparent on both sides of the equation. So the client knows exactly, you know, what type of talent they're getting. They know what we're paying that consultant, and then the consultant knows what we're billing the client. So uh, it's a very transparent and open model, and we are, you know, very, very humbled and very blessed that we are one of the largest in St. Louis, and we're quickly making inroads into other metros as well. Well, okay, uh, I've invited uh, Jason to come back in, so we'll wait on him on the XP. But uh, obviously over 20 years, things have changed um, uh, from when you started. What is the world like today? Um, what is the world like today in, in consulting? In, in this world, yes. Well, I mean, Anyone that's listening that's in technology will know that it's probably one of the fastest-paced industries out there. Um, you know, we, we all know that what is here today will possibly be gone tomorrow. So, you know, it's, it's very, very fast-paced. Um, people that are in technology have to, you know, really stay on top of the trends. And, um, you know, it really forces them to stay on their A game and to stay really sharp. The other thing, Don, that we are really seeing right now is there is a very high demand for these this, these IT professionals. And, you know, really what we're finding, and if you were to talk to chief information officers across the country, I would suppose that this is probably one of the top-of-mind things for them. There is uh, really right now more of a demand than there is a supply. And one of the things that we're doing as a company is trying to, to get involved in STEM-type disciplines for, for youth to get them more involved and to get them more excited about technology and the sciences. Um, less than 1% of kids right now are actually going into college and, and majoring in IT. Um, that's less than 1%, but yet the demand is continuing to escalate um, you know, for for these IT workers. So, you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge because there there are a lot of baby boomers that you know are in technology that are going to be retiring. You know, we just and we're not you know we're not seeing the trends that you know there's going to be that replacement well, of that uh, talent and unless we can do something. Absolutely, Jason has just rejoined us and probably one of the great. Uh, technology companies in this country, Intel. And Jason, we were just talking about, uh, uh, that surprises me that only 1% of, uh, of young students are, are going into IT in this, in this country. And uh, uh, can I ask, uh, is that something you, Intel is experiencing as well? Um, uh, I, 
I haven't seen uh, directly uh, that data, uh, although uh, uh, what we uh, Intel is absolutely committed to do is look at and invest um, uh, with both uh, at an employee level uh, a very strong uh, matching program at uh, all levels of education, K through 12, and at, at, at a higher ed perspective, uh, and then at a corporate level. Um, we're also very invested into the international science fair uh, piece to hopefully uh, gather enthusiasm uh, for uh, sciences and engineering uh, uh, broadly. Uh, and then in addition to that, there's also a very strong push for uh, looking at uh, diversity, including uh, uh, getting more uh, women and, and, and younger uh, women to be uh, excited about technology and uh, and engineering and some of those uh, harder science fields as well, uh, because uh, again we think that uh, that diversity of thought and uh, background uh, helps you know, on a global level as well. So uh, we see in general some concern about uh, you know lack of ongoing technical rigor, uh, and we want to make sure that. Uh, people understand the, the value that it can bring um, and the innovations and the technology and the excitement uh, that can be used on a global level to, uh, to make all of our lives better. Well, Lisa, uh, 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 I don't know if you heard earlier, we've been talking about the fact that XP, uh, that Microsoft is reducing, the, um, eliminating its support of, of XP and the uh, uh, Intel has figures about 37%. We have that of, of similar uh, figures in our own survey. Are you what is, uh, are you are you having clients come to you asking for help and understanding the impact of this? Not really. Not that particular uh, discipline, uh, Don. I mean, we. You know, we um, what we see is there. We see more like demand in the application development area. There's a lot of demand right now. We have part of technology partners. One piece of our business is the staffing side, but then also we have made a significant investment. Um, you know, into a solutions uh, side as well. So we've got different practice directors that are over practice areas. And, and I know one that is uh, really hot right now for us is the mobile application development space. So we've got clients that's very much in demand right now. And we, we see more demand for us. We see more demand in the application development area, specifically Java uh, is very, very hot. If I, if I, if I had a Java candidate, so if there are any Java <laughs> Java technologists out there I want to talk to you, I could probably have them 10, 10 interviews tomorrow. Uh, but the mobile app space is very, very hot. I mean, companies are trying to figure out how can we do more with our iPads and our smartphones and, you know, that sort of thing. So that, that's where we're really seeing a high demand. Um, is small to mid-sized companies, what we're doing a lot of, many of them cannot necessarily afford a chief information officer. 
but yet they really do need the expertise of a CIO. So they need someone that's going to come in and help them with their IT vision and saying, here's where we are today, where are we going, where are we heading. And um, our practice will actually put together a kind of do a gap analysis and put together an IT roadmap for these companies. But that's really where we're seeing more demand personally for our company. Well, what about the cloud? Small businesses are frightened to death of the cloud. I mean, and it appears that big companies are going into the cloud, and small right. companies, as usual, will follow them. But uh, are you finding that as well? Are you, are you talking to to me specifically? Yes, oh, I mean we're we're using the cloud for a lot of different things. You know, software as a service is a big, uh, you know, is is a big buzzword right now. And uh, you know, I think companies are seeing it as a way of not necessarily having to have their own knocks or their own you know, servers, uh, but kind of virtualizing those and, uh, you know, kind of shared space. So, yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of our clients going toward that. Jason, I know Intel is, is making a big push into that and in the, in the SMB area. Uh, what do you see happening? Uh, yes, and, and so at the, the highest order, you know, we're, we're trying to provide uh, – flexibility and, and choice uh, for businesses of all sizes. Uh, so uh, having uh, extension of your, your reach uh, by utilizing some of the cloud is, is absolutely what we're leading. You know, the, the cloud uh, is run on Intel. Uh, so from a, both a private cloud of the more traditional uh, paths, but even Amazon and Google and Microsoft and, and some of those cloud services, the vast, vast majority uh, of those systems are, are based on Intel and, and our Xeon servers and, and those things. So what we are seeing uh, on, uh, it is a balance of that reach and, and providing that, the, the best of both worlds. So what we are seeing is um, the, the best scenarios is some of the, the comfort uh, that resides in having uh, the power and performance and the processing local to those areas for small business, uh, and it may have, you know, some level of, of server storage and then additional reach and redundancy uh, by having access to the cloud. So we're seeing uh, the, the best advantages for some of the, the, the hybrid approaches where you're having it as an extension uh, that gives you, again, that, that extra reach, but having that confidence that you have access, and again, almost even more so from a small business because you know, those assets are so critical. Uh, having uh, the, the flexibility to scale up and, and utilize some of the, the power of the cloud, uh, but have the, the performance and some of the flexibility with, with local processing and local systems, uh, we, we, we see as the best option for, for most, uh, most businesses, especially small businesses. Uh, Lisa, uh, when I announced that you were coming on the program, I got an email from uh, so one of your clients that said that the, the key to your success is service uh, and a willingness to do more. Uh, how did you come about uh, doing that, deciding that was what you're going to do? Well, you know, there. this is a very, very crowded space, Don. <laughs> there are 9,000 staffing firms across the United States. Um, and so, you know, 
really, you know, you've got to look for those ways of differentiating yourself. Um, obviously, when we, especially as we are trying to uh, move into other metropolitan areas and and you know acquire, um, you know, new clients and that sort of thing. So. Um, you know, really for us, I mean, really, the two differentiators really are, again, our business model because our business model is, is designed such that we really are able to attract the best and the brightest IT professionals. Um, and then, you know, on the back end, then, we are just making sure that we are, you know, providing that extra level of service to our clients so that we are making it as seamless for them as possible. Like what we always love to say is that we want our staff, our company to be an extension of their their IT organization. So we just, you know, we want that to be as seamless as possible. So, you know, customer service is, is paramount. We, our company is really driven off of um, several core values and, it, and we use the acrostic delight delight because we want delighted customers. So the D is delivering on all of our commitments, excellence in all we do, long-lasting relationships. I mean, some of the relationships that we have, we're, again, we're celebrating our 20th birthday in May. Uh, some of those relationships that we've had, we've had for 20 years, uh, many of them actually, <laughs> on both the client side as well as the, uh, the consultant side, the employee side. Uh, but long-lasting relationships, integrity and honesty, giving back to the community. We're huge on community give back and, and involvement. Um, hard work, you know, if anybody thinks that, you know, they can succeed without that hard work, you know, that's, it's just not possible. There's a lot of hard work involved. And then the transparency that well, I talked about with our model, which is, is, is a very key differentiator of our company. So, yeah, customer service is, um, it's all about that. You know, it really is. And uh, we, all, we all know that we've been to restaurants before where the, the customer service is not, not very good. <laughs> we probably are not going to return to that restaurant. So, um, you know, it's really our objective to make sure, like I said, that we have delighted clients uh, that continue to come back over and over again to us as their go-to uh, vendor. Jason, I just got an email from someone that said, well, what about Intel? They're the technology leader. you want to say anything about that? I'm um, one of your people, but it just came across my desk. <laughs> uh, uh, likely. Um, so in, co in context to uh, um, can you can you put a uh, sorry a little a little frame on um, you know, technology you know in what what context? I, I, I'm not sure if I got the question. Sorry. Well, it wasn't a question. It was really giving you a plug, but the, because if somebody <laughs> took the time to to write that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. So ha ha happy to. And so uh, <laughs> you know one one of one of our big uh, themes, and it's building off sort of our. Our, our decades thing is, is, you know, on inside. And uh, Intel uh, is a bit unique that it is a uh, technology and solution provider uh, inside, uh, but we also uh, have very few uh, of our own products that uh, businesses and consumers buy. You know, and because, as opposed to some other alternatives that can make fantastic technology and a lot of that technology uh, is built on, um, you know, on Intel. Uh, but we we 
really engage with the, the entire computing industry uh, with multiple operating systems, with multiple types of computing devices from tablets to PCs and uh, worldwide, even in the smartphones and, and servers. So uh, we're really trying to look at that uh, customer choice. And in some ways, you know, we do have that, that uh, hopefully a trusted advisor type of role that uh, we're not necessarily trying to, to sell a customer on exactly this you know, computing platform or computing offering because we have those breadth. And so what we're really trying to do is, is learn more uh, from customers and, and, and small businesses on really what they need, uh, and that will help us on our planning process as well as encouraging our partners, the OEMs and the solution providers and the software vendors, uh, to make sure that we're delivering optimized products uh, that, that make businesses run better, well, uh, more cost-effectively and, and, and impact. My eight-year-old computer runs on an Intel chip because uh, uh, I've got a sign out there that says Intel inside. But, Lisa, we're going to give you uh, uh, the name of your company and how people can reach your company and you. Sure. Yes, um, Technology Partners is the name of the company. The website's www.technologypartners.net. And people can reach me directly. I'll give you my direct email. It's L Nichols, N I C H O L S, at technologypartners.net. So I would love to talk to uh, anyone that wants to reach out. And I appreciate well, okay. you having me on, Don. It was fun. Well, well uh, uh, I, I haven't had a program where I've had so many emails across my desk with you two. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what. We, we, Apparently, touched the nerve between the the, uh, the the two the two of you, and um, we had on earlier a man who uh, who has a company that provides um, what he says is out of this world coffee. And between the, between the three of you, I'm getting an awful lot of emails tonight. Uh, the, the, the three of you. So um, well, uh, they can they can uh, get their caffeine fix and then learn. Uh, Learn more about the staffing solutions and uh, Intel-based technology. So it's a, it'll be That's a great right. long night for, <laughs> for the audience. Well, I've, I've, dripped, I've dripped more coffee on that poor, my poor computer. Uh, but, uh, uh, Jason, uh, I, I know I already said go, goodbye to you and invited you back once already on this program, but I'm going to say it again because, uh, uh, you know, uh, you do have a passion for it. How long have you worked with it? Intel. Uh, so 19 years. Oh, okay. You're coming up to your 20th anniversary, <laughs> huh? So 19 and 20 yeah. years. Um, uh, that's a lot longevity. But um, uh, I can only say in closing, um, uh, if you haven't started to look at, at a solution for your XP system, you have to. It, it's uh, frightening what's going to happen. If you need a, a consultant on it, I'm sure Lisa's people know what they're doing about that. And um, uh, I, I think we've had a very, uh, I always say, I know just enough IT to be dangerous. So um, <laughs> uh, believe me when I tell you that. Um, uh, but uh, I, I really appreciate that the, the two of you uh, and Jason and you even came back um, have given me, uh, given I think our audience, uh, tremendous uh, amount to think about 
and we'd, we'd love to have you back in the future. But Jason, definitely next month after the close of uh, uh, Microsoft's uh, support, we have to come back and talk again. And Lisa, yeah, I so want the, you to come back it, as well. Yeah, the, yeah there, is, there is a, you know, uh, a, a bit of an urgency, uh, and I, I, I don't want to – Lead, lead with uh, the, the concerns and fear, but, you know, there are businesses that, that are at risk. So, uh, again, encourage folks to look at intel.com slash smallbusiness, get, get some of those insights, uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully take the steps. And uh, uh, it would be great to engage uh, Lisa and her team and, and, and others to, uh, to see how we can uh, make bigger steps. But, again, uh, it's a very quick uh, – Payback period, uh, and, and especially if uh, uh, you know risk avoidance uh, uh, is is very important. So, well, well worth mm-hmm. the time and effort to do some research and uh, uh, and and make some good decisions. Well, uh, as you uh, as you pointed out, and I'm repeating, um, uh, I, I, I guess I'm going to be guilty. Uh, I'm going to have to do it too. If you bring in a new <laughs> system, you're you're going to uh, uh, find that you're much more efficient. And uh, um, on, the, on that note, I want to thank you both and uh, say uh, good night to uh, our audience. Thank you. Thank you for what I thank think. Thank you is again, a- Don. It's nice to meet you, Jason. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lisa, and thanks, Don. Good night, everyone. Good night. Cheers. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.